Deuteronomy 28, if we were to, um, if we were to make, if we were to decide a theme on this chapter, uh, it would really be a chapter based on faith obedience and the blessing of faith obedience. And I think the word obedience is kind of a scary word today for a lot of people because the word obedience is a word that entails um, behavior, performance, and consequence. And these are like all big words today, and um, people really are scared of these words. And uh, believe it or not, people are really scared of a lot of things. that uh, We don't realize this, but I think it's very possible that there are people in the community that are afraid to come into this church because it's a church, mm-hmm. and just because it's a church building. And uh, we were talking to some people recently and I told them about our church and I said we're the white church I said you know right on the corner of uh, Park and East County line and uh, I said why don't you come and visit us and he goes now why would I go to a church (laughs) and it was a good question and anyway uh, Deuteronomy 28 just talks about being blessed and I just want to skip down to uh, verse 12 And um, the Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens to give the rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hands. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. The Lord shall make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath, if you heed to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today and are careful to observe them. And when we talk about the commands of God, these commands are really God's statements about how he wants to bless his people. When we talk about commandments, that's another big heavy religious word that over time gets redefined by the world. The world is always redefining words that are biblical Christian words. Obedience, repentance, um, chastisement, all of these words that, are, that have become very heavy words. And commandments basically, without getting into details of this, is really when God issues a statement and he says, these are the conditions, this is how I want to bless you. Now, Jesus Christ fulfilled the commandment of God in Romans chapter 10. And now, when we trust him and trust his righteousness, then we become partakers of those promises and we become partakers of those blessings and what I want to focus on here is is just this this um, statement you he will make you the head and not the tail and I thought about this verse during the men's getaway that uh, sometimes we we take on this mentality that I'm the tail and the world and the flesh and the atmosphere can really project this at us, can't it? That you are the tail. And you're, you, the only thing that you can do is just wag. And you have no, you have no, um, you have no uh, uh, effect or input in the way things are going. And this is really not the mind of God. God has made us the head. And I think a lot of Christians think this way, that they are the tail that they are just wagging and reacting to what's happening in society. And, um, you know, I know that none of us, well, maybe most of us have heard about 
uh, Jenner, what he did, you know, he's now a woman. And, uh, and now this, what's happened is, is that he's, his picture's portrayed on Vanity Fair, and it really just puts a question to society. Um, either you, you, either you uh, congratulate and celebrate his gender change, or you are a hater or a bigot, or you are a person that is a radical person. And uh, many Christians have been kind of quiet on the subject, and, uh, and some Christians have actually re reacted to it in, 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 in a tail way. And so the calling that we have, and you know, I'm, to make this pertinent to our life here, you know, we are, I consider us, everyone at these tables here, really just a very critical part of our team here. You know, all of you, I feel, that are involved in some way with what we do and the work of God here. And uh, we want to be thinking that I am, I am the head. Now, Jesus Christ is our head, of course. He is the head in the book of Colossians, and we are the body of Christ. And so he is calling the shots, and we are being... But in the world, we are not a tail. And, uh, and I think that there are sometimes things that cause us to think like, like tail. And I just want to look at a couple of them. And uh, when a person is thinking like a tail... It means that they are not taking the authority that they have in the circumstance. For example, at work or in their family or in, a, in spiritual warfare, you know, God wants us to, to be the head and to think like the head. And this is John chapter 1, verses 10 and 11 and 12, that, that, they, that he is, um, they that believe, he has given them the power to become, let's read this, let's read this, John chapter 1. I want to get this right. Um, but as many as received him, in verse 12, to them he gave the rights or the power to become children of God to, who, to those who believe in his name. And that, what does that mean? It means that God has given us the power, the authority to become sons of God. And that means that we can walk into a situation and we can get God's mind if we take the time and say, this is not God's will. And we can have God's authority. And that takes time to get to know the way God thinks. Sometimes we've, we've seen people's situations and we're like, we're like really maybe grieved about it. Um, and we could walk in and say, you know something? I think God thinks differently than maybe the way you're thinking in this circumstance. And you are thinking like a tail right now. And God wants us to think like, like the head. And uh, Saul had this problem. Remember Saul, King Saul? He was insecure. Uh, he was a he was uh, a manipulator. He was narcissistic. He was gathering he was gathering men under him, but he and his entire army were afraid of Goliath. And David was was thinking like he was ahead with God. It was him and God that made the majority. And David was thinking like he understood who he was, and he he understood that it wasn't about him. He understood that Goliath, and he wouldn't even call, he wouldn't call Goliath by his name. He wouldn't. He called him an uncircumcised Philistine. And I like that because, because, the world prides itself in a name, and God's people, uh, like David, don't even refer to uh, Goliath by the name of Goliath. And so, David said, 
uh, who is this man, this uncircumcised Philistine, who has, who has insulted the name of God and, the, and the, the, the people of God and the armies of God? And he said, I will defeat this man so that, so that people will know that God is the God of Israel. And so that's thinking like the head. And I think that sometimes because of finances, because of um, personal circumstances, maybe because of a personal self-image that we may, all of us struggle with that for some reason in, in any part of our life. We struggle with a, a self-image issue, maybe because of our past or past failures or things that have happened to us. Uh, whenever we let that affect us, we're thinking in the tail mentality. But uh, really briefly here, what actually gets us from that thinking with God mentality that I am the head, that I am a child of God, that I'm strengthened with all spiritual might, like we read that verse this morning, what is it that gets us thinking from that, transi- transitioning us from thinking that way to a point where we are thinking now that I'm just a tail? And I think it is this, this word familiarity. Familiarity. Does everybody know what that means when we say that? To be familiar with something is kind of a positive thing. I'm familiar with riding my bike. You know, I don't crash when I ride my bike. Or I'm familiar driving a car. Or I'm familiar with the neighborhood. I know where I'm driving. I'm familiar with, I'm familiar with certain things. I'm familiar with my job, my job responsibilities. And that's a good thing. But then there's another level of familiarity that when we go too far and we, uh, we, we leave God out of the picture. And, uh, and familiarity can be defined by three things. Number one, it's a result of losing the fear of, of the Lord. And what does that mean, losing the fear of the Lord? It just means that I am no longer acknowledging him in all my ways in, in Proverbs, chapter, uh, Proverbs chapter 4. Acknowledge him, verse 23, acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your paths. When I stop acknowledging God's presence in my life, acknowledging God's presence, like this morning we, we had that prayer time in the back room there, and I just was like, I just was like, um, I just kind of corrected my thinking a little bit because I didn't want to get familiar. And I just thought, okay, I can, I can feel like I'm going to get familiar here in a second and, and make everything just, um, you know, like, uh, you know, make everything about personalities and program and not and just forget to invite God's presence into the picture. And uh, I think that that's good because when we lose the fear of the Lord, then that's really we are at the threshold of familiarity. Familiarity always, familiarity always leads us to sentimentality. Sentimentality always leads us to compromise, and compromise always leads us into, into failure. And so one of the things that small churches like ours uh, faces many times is this, this thing of familiarity because we, we're around each other a lot, and we kind of get to know each other and the funny quirks about each other, and we kind of laugh about things. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not you know, I'm not, um, I'm not preaching at you. I'm not saying that this is a problem. I'm just saying that, that, that this can actually happen very easily in a small group where, where someone says, well, he's always like that, or she's always like that, and, you know, and that's just the way. And they, they are not acknowledging God's presence in the relationship or in the, on the team. And one thing that um, 
gets us from thinking that we are more than conquerors, more than uh, more than able to take the land, more than uh, more you know that we have power over the flesh be through the new creation is familiarity. It takes us out of that thinking and makes everything just very common, you know. And when when we when we stop thinking, uh, acknowledging the presence of God in our midst, then everything just becomes. It seems like the material world just becomes more emphasized, and personalities become more personal, uh, more emphasized, and more problems seem to be bigger. And and so, number the second thing is that all error begins with familiarity with God's word. You know, um, one thing that um, we will always struggle with, no matter how spiritual we are, is our attitude towards the Word of God. It's always going to, the devil's always going to try to get us to be familiar with the Bible. And uh, I know as a pastor, <clears throat> I can always tell that, you know, that where I'm at with my attitude towards the Bible, do I have a relationship with my Bible? And uh, I can, all error begins with that. I got familiar with the Bible. And we see that back in, in, in Genesis chapter 3, uh, that Adam and Eve became familiar with what God said. Why? Because the devil was able to twist the words of God, and Adam and Eve didn't catch it. The devil actually did two things. He added to God's word, and he also subtracted to it from it by, by his conversation. And Eve didn't catch it. Eve didn't catch it. Nor did Adam. Adam let his wife, who was, he was supposed to be ruling over, he let his wife run the show, and feed him the apple. Now, I mean, you know, uh, somebody may think, well, you are, you know, you're anti, you're, you know, anti women, but that's just the way it happens. And familiarity always begins, is always the threshold to just mistakes. And so it's always good that in our relationships, in, the, in three things number one, my relationships with other people. We want to have God in our presence. Like, we want to have God between us. Like, when I look at someone, I don't want to, I want to first see who they are, like, in Christ. Like, what are their gifts and how precious they are. And, you know, I was talking to George Phipps this morning, and I just thought, you know, this man is very precious to God. You know, he's got some challenges in his life right now. But if I was a familiar pastor, if I was a familiar person, I would look at him and just have a different opinion. I would just be like, you know, why are his problems my problems? That would be familiarity, and that would be the lack of compassion. And, um, and that can happen sometimes when we're working with people. You know, um, you know, I know Becca worked with special needs kids, and I'm sure that that sometimes was a challenge working with them. Like, you know, wow, you know, um, uh, you know that must have been sometimes challenging. And uh, familiarity always removes compassion from the picture. And so one thing that we... <clears throat> always want to have uh, in our prayer is that we would not be familiar with God's word or God's people. Um, you know, there's sometimes there are things in our, in my vocabulary that, that, um, and I had, I had, this was taught to us in Bible school that, you know, it's, it's better for us to, when, when a person is thinking in a corporate way, in a body way, we're always using the word we. And when someone is talking about their church in the they format, like, you know, they do this, they do that, um, it may, it doesn't always, it doesn't always um, mean this, but it could be that that person doesn't feel like that they are a part of that. 
and it's you know it'd be like well that's the you know well that's what they did and that's how their leadership you know it kind of puts me and on the outside when I say something like that and um, and that could be a, a, an aspect of familiarity in my life. What I'm saying is is that we are going to be challenged you know uh, with familiarity with each other and the way to deal with that is is that we don't know one another after the flesh in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2. And so number three, when, when we're familiar, relationships become soulish. Do you know what that means, soulishness? Uh, there's spiritual. Uh, Watchman Nee talked about soulishness. Um, soulishness is when everything is on the level of personality, uh, self-awareness, uh, personal needs, um, uh, my opinion, my thoughts, my values, you know. Soulishness is, is, can be actually very social. And familiarity is when, there, when there's no discussion or hunger after the word. It just becomes more of a social event. And that's what happens with churches. That's what happens. Churches sometimes can become social clubs where people come and they just kind of complain about their tail life. I don't mean to be insensitive, but that, that's you know, and and it, it become and they're very and they become very familiar and you know they they can come into a church service talking about it and then right after the message they can be walk out of the church service talking about all their troubles during the week and and that is familiarity. It's like when I come to the church when I come to church and when I come to gather with God's people with all of you. My prayer all the time is Ecclesiastes five that that um, and I'll read it to you that Ecclesiastes chapter five and I'll just close with this it says this that. Um, Walk prudently when you go into the house of God and draw near to hear rather than the sacrifice of fools. I'm reading from the from New King James. But hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they do evil. And that's familiarity. When we are erring and we don't even know it, that's familiarity. When we are just, when we get in this mode of thinking that we, you know, when I come, when I pull into the church parking, I'm just thinking, God, I don't want to, make the sacrifice of fools which is familiarity which i'm sacrificing something on the on the altar of the temporal uh and i don't remember who said this but they said don't sacrifice the eternal on the altar of the temporal what it means that it's don't take eternal things and sacrifice them on just on temporal experiences and so i want to just finish with this that being spiritually quickened and being renewed and uh, because a church service when we're in a church service it's not just the pastor or the worship leader that is that is leading the service it's very much the, the congregation also that are you know when a congregation comes in you know when a group of people come together to hear from God then that really draws an anointing it draws um, there have been times when uh, you know we've gotten up to speak and just because of the readiness to hear in the room, it's just kind of pulled, it's just pulled like God out of you. And I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but 
the anointing in the room comes because people are more ready to hear, and that happens often. Uh, and so Jesus said this, be it according to your faith. And I think that when we come to our service, when we come to God in our personal prayer, or when we come to uh, meet God in the details of our life, he's always addressing our faith. He's saying, um, what do you want me to do for you? And what do you want me to do? And I think that there are sometimes there are things that God wants to do in our lives. And but because we become familiar, he is limited. Um, uh, let me just read you some interesting verses in the Old Testament but, uh, about familiarity. Leviticus 21, verse 12. Neither shall he go out of the sanctuary. And this is talking about the high priest. Neither shall he go out of the sanctuary, nor profane the sanctuary of his God. For the crown of the anointing oil of his God is upon him. I am the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? That the high priest, we are high, we are priests and kings. And the priest that was in the temple could not live the same way everybody else was. Because he had the crown of the anointing on his life. And that is something that is... Um, that makes us different, not because we are elite or special, but there's a blessing in our life that, that, and that's the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's like a crown in our life, and that can be easily grieved by just being profane, just being like, you know, and that's why we use that word in the English language, profanity. Like, it's just profaneness, and, um, you know, it's when we are, it's just when God is absent and we are not, and we are functioning in the carnal mind or the natural mind, which is an enmity of God. And he could not leave the sanctuary nor profane the sanctuary of his God. That's amazing. You know, think about that verse sometime, you know, when you're pri- in your private meditation about profaning the sanctuary of God. The next verse is Isaiah, is Ezekiel 44, 23. Also talking about high priests. And they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the profane and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. And listen to this verse. And in controversy, they shall stand in judgment. They shall judge it according to my judgments. That's great, isn't it? That's the Christian life. We stand in controversy. And I think some people are so afraid to be controversial uh, that, you know, that, um, that, that is our calling to stand for things. Now, um, in relation to what, you know, what Bruce Jenner did, you know, I thought about that. Like, you know, what has happened? Well, he is now a different gender. And it's as strange as it sounds, he's got the same soul inside. And the body is just a temple, and the body can be really, it can be changed, it can be, uh, it can be, uh, uh, it can be um, mutilated or whatever, but uh, and what is the problem? What is what is his problem? His problem is that he is looking for something that is much deeper than a, a physical change. His problems are much deeper, and um, I read somewhere, and I don't remember, I, I can't remember the source, but there was a time in his life where him and his wife had invited a pastor to start a church in his town. And I don't know what happened with that. This was before, you know, before the whole thing. But um, uh, what, ha- what, is this, what is our attitude towards that? You know, our attitude is, is that 
okay, you, a person can, uh, somebody can do that. I mean, it's not biblical and it's not, you know, it, it's just very perverse. But what the deeper problem is, the deeper problem is, is that this man is looking for something in his soul that uh, he is trying to find in uh, in some other way. And so we can stand and say that. We don't have to be afraid to... Um, I think that when people call the church haters, they don't really realize that the church, that in church is really the place where some of the most loving people on the planet can be found. You know, like we are not, we are, there are some churches that are, you know, haters, but I think that this is really where the most love people are going to find. And uh, in Isaiah 52, 11, it says this, depart ye, depart ye out from thence. Touch no unclean thing. Go ye out of the midst of her. Be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. And so, um, lastly, this is how familiarity begins. Okay, number one, lack of brokenness. We just stop being broken. That's when it starts. And that means that my natural life is calling the shots. You know, I was thinking about the summertime. You know how Pastor Schaller says, give God your summer. You know, because I think a lot of us look at our summer, a lot of people look at their summer like, this is my summer, this is my vacation, I deserve this, I've worked. And, you know, you, you know to measure, yes, you, you know, it is your summer, but, but why not give our summer to God? And I'm preaching to the choir because, you know, you guys are, you've done that. But uh, lack of, number two, dullness. And familiarity produces a sense of dullness, and we, they lose uh, people lose their sharpness. It's like trying to chop a tree with a with a with a dull axe. So maximum effort with with the least amount of of effect. That leads to carelessness. Number four, it leads to breakdown of reverence. Number five, we begin to tolerate things that we never tolerated before. Then number six, those things that we tolerate begin to influence us, and it blinds us. And number seven, we are overtaken by that thing. So that's why familiarity is is such a is such a is such a dangerous thing that like you know when we you know when we're looking at our mission here, um, you know, it's kind of a small, you know, it's a suburb. It's quiet, you know. It's not the hustle and bustle of a city, which is kind of can you know, that can be kind of very exciting to minister in a city, but it's also very easy to get, you know, to get I mean, this is a beautiful place where we live. It's amazing. It's one of the nicest places we've ever lived in the States. Um, but I don't want to get dull. I want to just stay, start, stay sharp, and I want to be sharpened, and I want us to sharpen each other and uh, really just make, make it a point to be daily filled with the Spirit. Because uh, here's the thing, is that in our church, uh, we're not just here to play church. My vision as a pastor is really to see every one of you grow in your calling. I believe that you're here not because of my winning personality, but you're here because God wants you to develop your calling. Okay? God wants you to grow in who you are in Christ, no matter where we're at in our life. And, uh, and that's my personal vision. That, uh, and does, will the church grow? I'm sure it will. But, um, you know, when I look at what God did in Ukraine, and when I look at what God did in other places where we ministered and in Poland uh, I'm just so happy to see that there are people there that discovered who they are in Christ and now they're living their lives with God 
and mm-hmm. that's really our vision, my vision for me, for me personally, for you guys. And so with that, maybe we can just go right into our meeting.